Welcome to the Listings Lab podcast with Jess LaNouvelle, founder of the Listings Lab and best-selling author of More Money, Less Hustle, becoming the seven-figure real estate agent. Are you ready to learn how to scale your real estate business from six to seven figures and create unlimited scalability and financial freedom in the process? It's time to take back your life and avoid the oh-so-common realtor burnout. Learn techniques and strategies to help you build relationships at scale and create a business full of clients you love with systems that give you the freedom to live your life. It's time to put aside the old school tactics and embrace a new way of business where you can have predictability in everything that you do. Let's get into it. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm so excited that you're here. This is going to be so fantastic. So this is my bestie. Um, and, uh, if some of you actually have probably been enrolled in the Facebook group or in, in the listings lab by Erica, so she's going to walk us through her eight step irresistible sales framework today. Guys, you're in for a treat. This is super, super great. And this is probably a sales framework that in the real estate space, you haven't heard before, but as we all know, sales is sales. And psychology is psychology. So I'm really, really excited that she agreed to come and like bring this into us. And I've been, we've been actually, I've, we've been talking about doing this for so long, but Hey, today's the day. And all it took was for me to schedule it and tell you guys it was happening. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to introduce yourself, Lipbug? I would be happy to. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I have been really looking forward to this. Um, I know a lot of your incredible members, and I know that you have grown significantly. So there's an, a lot that I don't know, but it feels like coming back to family. So <laughs> um, I'm really, really excited. Um, I have taught this framework in in pretty much every sales environment you can imagine. And it's something that works across the board. It's not a script. It doesn't confine you in and it's not winging it. So when I think of sales, um, I think of a continuum where scripts are kind of where we start and where beginners need to start when they have no idea what to say. And then winging it is all the way on the other side, which is not quantifiable. So a framework is right here in the middle so that you can communicate authentically. You can use your own words, but as long as you know that you're hitting these bullet points, you're going to increase your likelihood of not only closing the deal if it's the right person, but also building a successful long-term relationship. So like I said, I've, I've taught this in many different realms and I'm excited to, to dig in. So you want to just dive in, Jess? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Guys, if you are, um, if you're driving or doing something that's not just focused here, I suggest you stop what you're doing. And be as present as you can here, because I really think that this is going to make a a big difference for you guys. I am so pumped. So first of all, I want to I want to give kind of an overarching um, an overarching look at how sales typically works. I call this the doctor's formula. So I think of it like this. If you walk into a doctor's office, right, with like a sniffly nose and your doctor opens the door, comes in, takes one look at you and goes, I know exactly what's wrong. You need Prozac. There's going to be a big disconnect there. And I think that's what happens a lot of times in sales. It's like we get so excited about what we have to offer and we're focused and we're on our mission that we're like, this is what you need without actually doing a consultation, without actually asking the right questions. So globally, 70% of the sales conversation needs to be a consultation, which means, right? 
And like, you're asking the right questions. You're getting to know what they need so that then, you know, 20% is the evaluation, right? So if you're in a doctor's office, they're going to ask you questions. They're going to poke around, right? They're going to actually examine you, right? And then 10% is the actual diagnosis of here's what we do. So translating that to sales is 70% is asking questions, building rapport, getting to know them. 20% is you really making sure that it's the right fit and evaluating for them and for you. And then 10% is the close. So that's kind of the overarching. So, so this is going to shock people. And I love it when you talk about this. Um, how many questions does the, does do the top salespeople ask in an average conversation? Oh my gosh, this is the best question. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually learned this statistic from Europe's top sales trainer. And it, the answer is 72 questions. That really goes to show that the consultation part for most people is being overlooked. Yes. For the selling part way too often. What I've found is the people who actually participate, the people who actually engage, actually retain the most. And this is a little bit of an aside, but I've spent the past 19 years coaching high performers. Um, and my first business was a martial arts school. So what I learned is people that can engage with audio, visual, and kinesthetic, you're actually doing something. They pick it up the fastest and they're the most successful. Yeah. And in fact, let's talk about questions. Before I go into the whole framework, these questions, there are four type of types of questions that need to be asked in a successful sales conversation and they fit into the framework. So is it okay if I just dive in on those? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So there are four types. The first type of question is warm-up questions. This is like the typical, how's the weather? How are you doing? Anything personal that you know about them before you like actually break the ice, right? Breaking the ice, right? And the thing is, a lot of times this is really overlooked, but I always say people will break contracts, they won't break relationships. So if you can take time to warm things up, to get to know them, to show that you're actually interested on more than just the surface level, um, it sets a really good foundation for the conversation. Mm -hmm. The second type of questions that you should be asking are qualifying questions. Um, this prevents you from wasting your time if somebody just isn't qualified. Um, and it also, you know, it also makes sure that at the end of the conversation that you're not getting a ton of objections because you're really making sure that you're covering that in, you know, probably the first 20 minutes of the yeah. conversation. Yeah. The third type of question are personal questions. These are vitally important. The, this is what I call pinpointing the pain point. You know, Jess, I know that you always talk about how moving isn't just a financial decision, that it's an emotional decision, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and honestly, the, the, this is the work. And, and the reason why I wanted to bring Erica here today is because the way that she teaches things is so in alignment with the way that we teach things. Right. So the pain points, identifying the pain points, using that as a as a as a content type, you know, as much as she's talking about overcoming objections before you actually get the objection at the end of the conversation, we talk about that and we and we do that in, in the content marketing as well. So this is all like everything that you're hearing today, especially if you're in the listings lab, is really going to make a lot of sense and kind of bring it all together. 
Yes. And that's, and, and, and another thing to kind of tag on to that is consistency builds trust. So when yeah. they hear these things from your marketing message, and then you're asking the question so that they can share with you what their pain points are that you probably already know, it creates a level of consistency. And Jess, you talk about this, like being in the back of their head, right? Mm -hmm. And we need to carry that all the way through from the first time that they see your marketing message all the way through the sales conversation. And what that does is it builds successful long-term relationships and people keep coming back, right? Can we talk a little bit about like, because you and I both have a a bit of a hatred for scripts. (laughs) And can we just talk a little bit before we actually really jump into the framework? Can we talk a little bit about why? Yes, we can absolutely talk about why. So here's what I will say. If somebody has never, ever sold before ever, scripts are a good way to get started because you can kind of take some things out of there and apply them later on. But other than that, if you've been in the business for more than, let's just say, six months, then you need to be using your own dialogue, right? Imagine it's the same reason why you don't use canned ads for everybody because it comes across as cheesy. It can come across as pushy. It boxes you in. And and irrelevant. Completely irrelevant. Yeah. And the other thing, it gets us really in our head about following the script where really the successful sales conversation happens when you can actively listen and be able to pivot with the person you're talking to and go deeper with them. Yeah. I should probably tell them the fourth type of question, shouldn't I? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) No, 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 you're fine. This is my least favorite anyway, so I have a tendency to forget. (laughs) Um, It's technical questions. Technical questions are just dates, times. Does this work for you? Does that work for you? Yeah. The fourth type. Okay. Uh, So, so we talked about scripts. We've talked about, tailoring and like the the diagnosis part of the conversation we've talked about asking 72 questions um let's jump into the framework okay let's dive in so step one of the framework there are eight steps to this framework no scripts but eight steps (laughs) and if you hit all eight of them and you do them well your chance of getting a yes at the end is significantly higher than if you skip any of these so if you're taking notes i highly recommend writing these down So the first step is warm up questions, right? We got to warm up the conversation. We already talked about that. Depending if we're just how, how long would you say a typical sales conversation with a, you know, with a new client is? So a buyer consultation will usually be 30 to 45 minutes. Okay. Um, The average listing presentation is probably closer to an hour. Okay. So should we talk about in the initial buyer consultation, is that where you have them signing an agreement? uh, If you're doing it properly, yes, you are signing some sort of buyer representation agreement. Um, Same thing with a listing presentation. If you're going into, if you're going into a listing presentation, then the, the ideal outcome is to get a listing signed. Um, Most people will show up with paperwork Um, but the listing presentation, you're more likely to end up with a follow-up, a follow-up conversation or a follow-up meeting. Great. So then should we focus this and tailor this primarily around a listing presentation? I think so. I think that it's probably the place where people are are the most uncomfortable, but the framework, 100%, the framework works 
And yeah. even the, even if we get specific, it's it's going to be the same for both sides. Totally, it totally is. It just it's just a matter of kind of condensing it down and for sure how much time you have. So so when you warm up, I mean, typically that can be anywhere. You know, if it's a shorter conversation, it can be five minutes. You can draw it out a little bit more. Basically, this is where you want to you want to get to know who you're talking to in advance, right? You want to have that familiarity. Um, never skip the warm up, just like in athletics. <laughs> the next part, step two, is setting expectations. So psychologically, as adults, we like to know what is coming. And especially if there's sales involved, if there's, there's this is the part that I think a lot of agents skip mm-hmm. is that they're not giving people essentially the agenda or like the walkthrough of how the conversation is going to go. Exactly. So setting the expectation of what is going to happen in the conversation, including working together at the end, if it's the right fit, is very important. And I think a lot of times when we're nervous about sales or we really want to get the listing, um, we don't want to be like, you know, salesy. So we won't say it up front. But if you don't say it up front, it can feel like a bait and switch at the end. So so an example of setting expectations is... um, can I just role play with you, Jess? Is that cool? 100%. Okay. You're like, so, so Jess, um, is it okay if I just kind of set some expectations with you about how this listing presentation is going to go? Absolutely. That'd be great. Okay. Wonderful. Well, first, before I get into my presentation, I really want to find out more about you and what your goals are um, and, and kind of where your head's at on this. So is it okay if I just ask you a bunch of questions to get to know you a little bit better? Of course. Okay, wonderful. And then once I kind of get a real good picture of your vision, then I'll talk about my, because I know you help everybody develop their own methodology, right? So, and we'll come back to this later on in the framework, but I'm setting the expectation. So I'll say something like, um, then once I really understand what your vision is, I'll explain my methodology um, and how we can get there together. Does that make sense? 100%. Okay, so that's setting expectations. Now, there's another part at the bottom of setting expectations right after you get the yes. And this is this is my favorite part. And I call this step three is the promise. Okay, and so what the promise is, one is it saves you if you're talking to somebody that's not qualified. And two is it gives you an opportunity to deliver on a promise if they are the right fit. So here's what that would sound like. I'm going to set these expectations with Jess, um, say, hey, you know. Here, here's what I, here's the way I work. Here's the way I do business. I promise you that if I can help you with this and I feel a hundred percent confident, then we're going to, we're going to partner up today and we're going to, you know, we're going to get this listing on the market and help you yep. achieve all your goals. Right. Yep. On the flip side, I'm a really straight shooter and this part is important. So if anything comes up where I don't think that I am the right person to help you, I will not waste your time and I will let you know right away. And I usually add I'll in that in, in a situation like that, I will do my best to point you in the right direction. Absolutely. And so what that does, what that promise does is it takes the pressure off of them and it allows them to be present and open and honest with you in the conversation. Because really effective sales is simply helping the right person make the right decision. 
And if somebody is not qualified to work with you, I don't want to see any of you wasting your time. I want you to spend your valuable time talking to people and, and getting those listings that are going to pay off, right? And the and a great example is, let's say that you sit down with someone, you're in a listing presentation, and they want to list 50% over what you really, truly believe that this house will sell for. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, so, some that that in in everyone's opinion should be an unqualified seller. That is someone who has unre- unrealistic expectations and that house is not going to sell. Even if you go at it, and I would highly suggest that you never do this, where you think, well, I'll take the listing and then work them down because that's never going to happen. You're never going to get them down far enough. And chances are you're going to spend all of your time and energy and bandwidth getting them to the price point that you actually think that it should be at. And then they're going to go and list with someone else for the price point that you actually initially, um, you initially told them was the correct price point. So what I suggest is you use a lot of this conversation to also not only change the power dynamic, because I think a lot of the time what happens is the the sellers will will be kind of sitting on their throne thinking mm-hmm. like you're here to fight for my listing. When you start and you preface the conversation this way, it will really show them, okay, you know what? They don't work. This person doesn't work with everyone. Mm-hmm. This person's actually making sure that like they can, they can help me. And that this is actually properly going to be worth their time. Absolutely. 100%. And that really leads into step four is qualifying them. Step four is to qualify. And, you know, exactly what you're saying, Jess, is so dead on because this is where you have to ask those difficult questions. I don't know if this is the proper way to ask it, you know, in your industry, but something along the lines of, you know, did you have an expected sale price that you were wanting to list for? Yeah. Yes. Something like that, right? That's definitely part of the qualifying conversation that needs to happen so that you guys are on the right, the right page. An old school listing presentation will walk someone through a CRM and then at the end, tell them what their suggested price would be from your opinion. That's actually, in my opinion, not the right, not the right way to do it because you should be getting their expectation or their thought process right from the beginning so that you can handle all of the objections that may come up between that first initial them sharing that with you and when you give your suggested pricing. So there needs to be some objection handling, especially if those two two numbers are going to be different. 100%. So Jess, what would be what would be some specific areas that people you know need to qualify or would tell them if it makes sense to move forward or not? Well, I think time frame. Okay. Right. Because I think that you also need to have an understanding of like, is this person interviewing people and having conversations based on like something that they're thinking about doing in like two years, which some people do. There's a lot of people in the general public out there that don't really think that agents time really matters that much. Right. So what's their timeline? You know, what are their, what are their expectations? And really the other thing that we want to understand is what is driving their move? Yes. What is the pain point that is driving their move? Why are they moving? People don't move because it's fun. People move because there's something in their current situation that they want to change with, with a physical move. Yes. And you know what? That leads into step number five, which is those personal questions. So you can see how all of these kind of flow together. When we qualify, it's really about the brass tacks, like you're saying, time, expectations, you know, how much they want to list their home for, you know, really making sure that their expectations are realistic and you can meet and exceed those expectations. 
Another one would probably be decision maker, right? Are all the decision makers there? Is there any that needs to be involved, right? I'm sure that we've all been in a situation where you're meeting with someone and then at the very end of the conversation, they're like, well, I need to talk to my mom or I need to talk to my dad, especially with young, young buyers or sellers. Their parents tend to be very, very involved. And then you're like, well, I've just gone through this entire presentation. And then this person is going to butcher it. And try to reiterate everything that I've done, and uh, without any of the psychological buildup, without any of the without any of the proper positioning, and try to reiterate what I've said to a third party. That's never the right situation. You always want to make sure that every single person who has any say and any any really any say or any pull whatsoever is in the room. Absolutely. And the qualifying part is do not pass go, do not collect $200. If you don't get a resounding yes on each of the areas, whether it's time frame, whether it's list price, whether it's decision maker, you know, any of those things, if you don't get an absolute yes, you need to stop the conversation. Because if you stop the conversation and reschedule, let's say, if, you know, a parent needs to be present, you have such a greater likelihood of getting that listing than going through. And like just said, having them try to explain it later on, even if they press on you say, you know what, this is very important. We need all decision makers present because I can't know if I'm the right one to help if I don't have everybody present. So everyone can ask questions. I want to make sure that I'm here to serve you. Let's set up another time where your mom can come whoever. Absolutely. Right. So, so let's say they're qualified. Let's say all decision makers are there. They have realistic expectations. Then exactly what you said, Jess, is we need to find the emotional reason for why they are moving. You know, maybe their family is growing and the house is too small and they're upsizing, you know, and and there's probably some internal pressure going on. So Mm -hmm. ask those personal questions about what's going on in their life to cause them to want to move. Yep. What's motivating them from a core (laughs) level? Once you have a full understanding that they are qualified, what their expectations are, you know really the deeper reason. And sometimes it can be a little painful. Now, in old school sales, there's a lot of like digging the knife into the pain point. And this framework is not about that. It's about unearthing the pain point. But then step six is about building a vision together that's even greater than what they have in mind because you are the expert. So if you can enroll them in a bigger vision or an easier vision or a better way than they have in mind, you're giving them value before you're even working together. And that also builds trust. Absolutely. I think that, uh, and if we want to kind of bring that back and ground it into a listing presentation or a buyer consult, it really like the, once you understand the emotional reasons for a move, it allows you to actually dig into that with them, share stories, share, you know, share, share your own experiences, talk to them a little bit more about, you know, what, like what, tell me more about that. How has that been showing up for you? It allows you to dig a little bit deeper into the pain point. You're not, the way that I've heard it said before is you're not stabbing a knife in their back. You're just turning them around and showing them that there's a knife in the rack, right? It's, it's, 
it's illuminating the pain point without without it ever feeling icky or or yucky. Basically, what you're doing is you're allowing them to see the true reasons why they should be making this move and how well you understand this process and what they're going through because yeah okay at the end of the day what you're trying to do is build a deeper connection and build a deeper relationship than all of those other agents who have come in talked at them for 45 minutes and then told them that they'll list for one percent it's not about the being being faster or cheaper it's about really connecting with this person and having them feel really seen absolutely This is also another opportunity or a perfect opportunity rather to even share a case study, you know, say, Mm -hmm. I totally understand where you're at. You know, you remind me of my clients, Kate and Matthew, you know, they were in the exact same position when we first started working together and, and then you can tell about the vision for them, right? So that adds credibility to you. It shows your expertise and it also kind of just alleviates a little bit of the stress that they are not alone. Yeah. Then the next step is really, and and I call this the offer presentation. So it might be different. Um, it's your- basically you're running through your 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 signature system, your method, yes. or like you know another way of looking at it is your core service package. Exactly. So so the vision is: Are we in agreement on this vision? Do we both want the same thing? Right? Are we sitting on the same side of the table? And if you get a yes. Then it's like, great, would you like to talk about how we can do this together using my proven methodology? And they're going to say yes. Right. That's kind of. And, and it's really important that you have interaction. And this is a conversation. I actually hate the word listing presentation, um, even though like, you know, right across the board, if that's what it's called in the industry, I always call it a listing conversation. Because it is a conversation. And, and if, when, when we forget that this is not a presentation, you're not talking at someone, this isn't, you're not standing on stage in front of 800 people. Right. You are sitting probably in somebody's living room or at the very least on a Zoom call, you know, one on three at the very most, right? This is a conversation and it's super important that there's consistent back and forth. Yeah. That you're not talking at people, that there is consistent feedback coming from the other side. 100%. Absolutely. And when I, you know, and when we're presenting the offer, it's, we don't just go from this beautiful conversation where they've like bared their soul to you and you've created this vision to like, now let me show you the thing. (laughs) Really, all of that was to lead gently into, let's talk about the methodology and how it works for you. So specifically for you, this is where we start and tie it back to the vision that you've created. So the offer is really, you know, Jess, you talk about this in marketing, how when people make a buying decision, they make the decision emotionally, but they need to back it up with logic. They always have to back it up with logic, right? So you have to give them both. Right. And that's what the offer presentation is designed to do. We've emotionally got them into the vision. We're on the same page. Now, here are the brass tacks of how we're going to get there together specifically for you and what your needs are. That's what a proper offer presentation should be. It's a conversation. Absolutely. And I think it's so important that you recognize at this point that the majority of the conversation has been setting up for this one part. Most agents will spend 90% of the conversation on this small aspect of it, which is the is backwards. Exactly. 
Exactly. So if we if we bring this back to kind of the doctor's formula that we talked about, the consultation ends once you guys have gone through creating the vision together. Yeah. And now the 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 offer and, and presenting your methodology and talking about that, that's the 20% where you're just making sure that everybody's in agreement that this is how we want to move forward together. Mm-hmm. And, and asking yes questions. Does that sound good? Does this sound like what you're looking for is a really powerful question. Do you have questions? Yes. <laughs> Ask people if they have questions because so often you wait, like, uh, you know, get, get the, get the feedback. Like, does this make sense? Or like, is there anything here that like you're not understanding all the way along? And then when you get down to what Erica calls the brass tacks, it's super important because that you're on the same page. You're you're coming at it from the from the same place. You're not coming at it of you think that everything's been super clear and this other person is super confused, right? Yeah. You want to make sure that you're on the same page going into this section of the conversation. Absolutely. So then once you guys are in agreement, so it's important for each of these steps that you're in agreement together and you're asking those yes questions and you're getting a resounding yes. And just like I mentioned earlier, if there's any hesitation, even if you can just feel a little bit of hesitation, just stop. And there's really value in addressing what is, addressing Mm -hmm. the elephant in the room. So if you're you're feeling tension from them, you can just pause the conversation and, and, and say, I'm feeling a little bit of tension from you. And I I want this to be a really easy, comfortable process. Are you open to sharing what's coming up for you? And so, and then provided that you're getting resounding yeses on all of this, step eight is close and congratulate. And so what that means is you say, okay, great. Let's do this together. I have this listing agreement. I'm just going to have you fill out a few pages right now, have them fill it out first and then after everything is done, that's when you get to congratulate, you get to be excited. And in essence, at that point is when you reinforce what I call the buying decision, but you know, the agreement that yeah. you're together. Absolutely. So I think that this the, the thing that's super important here is that when you're talking about sales conversations, it's really easy for people to talk themselves out of things down the road. So if possible, you want to come prepared with some sort of an agreement, even if it's an exclusive agreement, while you prep everything to get ready for the actual list, right? Like, let's say that there's painting and staging and all kinds of things to happen before the house is actually ready. Then, you know, maybe what you do is you, you sign some sort of an exclusive agreement for a period of time while the house is being prepped, or you at least have some sort of a one page agreement that, that just goes through everything that you're going to be working on in order to get the, the home ready with some with basically like a letter of intent mm-hmm. that this person is going to be listing with you. This mm-hmm. is the part that I think a lot of agents forget to do or, yeah. or just, you know, go into it with blind trust. When people sign something or a proper solid agreement is made, there's more commitment from both sides. And this is an important part of the, of the conversation. Absolutely. And especially if this, if, if all seven steps up until this point are done correctly, there's a very high level of trust built and having them sign an agreement on the spot creates a solid container so that they're not going to go home and question it, as you say, and they're going to feel really solid and locked in. They have something tangible. Another mistake that I see people make, especially if they, they, if you're nervous about having Mm. them actually sign an agreement and right there and then if this is a new thing or 
I don't know, maybe just have some anxiety about it. What people will do is they'll show the excitement and the congratulations in advance of having people sign, right? And I think of it like this. If you're if you're running in the Olympics, right? And and you celebrate too early. I mean, we've all seen this, right? Or some it's like tripping. And then right someone over. breezes right by you. Yeah, 100 percent you, you trip on the finish line. <laughs> You know, and that can happen because when we get when we get overly excited before we have this container, before we have a signed agreement, it can make people feel a little bit like, are they pulling one over on me? Hmm. Right. So what you need to do is really maintain that that calm, authoritative confidence. Okay, this is what we're going to do next. This is the next step. We're going to sign this agreement together. Once we sign the agreement, then we're going to do da 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 da. So I'm just going to have you fill out these few pages. And then you just step back and you relax and you let them fill it out. Let me know if you have any questions. Well, you're going to walk them through the the initial like the, the initial contract, whether it's a letter of intent, whether it's a, a buyer rep by a representation agreement, whatever it is, you're going to walk them through. You're going to explain the paperwork. You're going to go through, ask them if they have any questions. They're going to initial and sign. And then at that point, then can you actually go through the celebration and congratulation phase, right? And and if it's a listing presentation, there's always, you're always going to want to, at that point, clarify next steps, Yes. right? And and the other thing too is, let's say that it's not a one-on-one conversation and that, and there's three people there. You also may say, hey, you know what? The three of you probably need to to consult with each other. Is it what like, would it be okay if I just take a look around the house or I do this or I do that and give you a chance to speak in private, right? Don't, Don't say, okay, well, you know, unless they're adamant, try not to say, okay, well, let's follow up in a couple of days. And if you do have to do that, then never say, okay, well, just get back to me. You never want to leave it open-ended. This is a conversation I had with a super seasoned agent, like maybe a month ago, where she was like, you know, sometimes they just don't get back to me. And I'll, I'll say, well, did you have an appointment booked for that second conversation? Because that, again, part of really effective sales is also managing the communication. And so again, you what you want to have is like, let's let's say that they that they're that they're like, look. You know, we're we're ninety nine percent in, but we we do. You know, my my cousin is also an agent, and I promised her that I'd give her an opportunity. I don't really want to work with her, but whatever. I, I at least have to honor honor the the conversation that I said I'd have with her at five o'clock tonight. Okay, great. Have the conversation with her at five o'clock tonight. When can we reconnect? Let's say, like, are you available at noon tomorrow? So if it's noon tomorrow, then great. Let's book, let's ha- like actually book an appointment to speak at noon. Whether it's that you come back to have that conversation or it's a Zoom conversation, try to keep it not on the phone. If you if you it's easier for someone to just send an email or or kind of talk them like backtrack and talk themselves out of it because you want to have a specific deadline. If you leave it open ended, it's also just not good for your mental health. Because you're just going to be constantly wondering, okay, did I get it? Did I not get it? Like what happened? You want to have a specific appointment. Absolutely. And, you know, I love what you said as far as identifying, like, when is that conversation with the cousin happening? And then booking within 24 to 48 hours, that second. I mean, ideally, you want to book that second appointment within 24 to 48 hours. Absolutely. Statistically, if it goes longer than that, your chance of working with that person goes down significantly. Yeah. 
I know that this was a lot. I think it's really, really important that we think about this entire framework and you can kind of go through and massage it and make it your own in a way that feels really good for you. But again, remember each and every one of these eight steps is 100% necessary. You have to hit each of these eight to have the highest chance of having a successful conversation. All of these eight steps still matter. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, like the, the key to everything, if, let's say if you get, you get a sign called it's to your phone, you're not meeting that person in person yet. The, the goal of everything should be to book a consultation. Yes. Okay. Especially if, especially if you're working cold leads, you still, the, the, the end goal is to book a full consultation. Yes. Okay. Otherwise, a lot of the time people treat agents like a revolving door Mm -hmm. and you're just there to open the door. That is the opposite of what you want to be doing. Absolutely. Really? Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, and if you get that phone call, I mean, really just those, those first four steps, right? The warm up, the expectations, the promises and qualifying them, you're pre-qualifying that consultation. And then, you know, the expectation is, you know, is it okay if I just ask you a few questions to see if it makes sense for us to book a full consultation? Because I want to be respectful of your time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we, uh, again, like, this is how people in respected industries behave. And I know that I say this all the time. Agents tell me all the time, I want to be treated like my doctor or like my lawyer. Well, guess what? Your doctor and your lawyer don't just, don't just jump when you say jump. hmm they, they book proper consultations. They go through a diagnostic process. They ask a lot of questions and then they give you, they give you the advice that you, that you need. It's the same thing. If you want to be treated like a respected professional, this is part, this process is part of that. And it's changing the way that you, it could be changing the way that you approach things, but it's super important. You're not there to just open doors and take what you can get. Absolutely. And look, not all money is good money. Not all clients are good clients. And if somebody's being super resistant to you in an initial conversation, I mean, you have to ask yourself, is this somebody, do you want to push? Is this somebody that you really want to work with? If they're not being, you know, open and forthcoming and answering your questions. And if they have an attitude, I mean, all of this is designed to save you time. So you can invest that time in the right people that are going to pay off as well. And especially if you're going through, if you're, if you're in the listings lab or you're doing things the way that we teach them, you're going to have a lot of consultations. You're going to have a lot of conversations and you only have a certain amount of time. So the most important thing is that you're working and spending time and investing your time in the right people who are actually going to have an outcome as opposed to wasting time with a buyer or a listing that's not actually going to get to the finish line. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. To talk to our team about how the Listings Lab can help you grow your business, visit thelistingslab.com forward slash apply. If you enjoyed this episode, please give the podcast five stars on iTunes and help us to reach other agents who want to massively scale their business the modern way. And if you want more marketing and scalability strategies for your real estate business in between episodes, then join the Listings Lab Facebook group or follow Jess on Instagram at Jess Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us next week.